Good morning, everybody. Pastor Paul here. Um, while the temperature gauge says 35, it also says right below that 24 degrees wind chill factor, which makes complete sense why I would be outside this morning. Uh, hey, so I had brought out a couple of accessories. One is the Tennessee, um, it's not even a beanie. This, is, this would actually be a toboggan with the reindeer on it and everything. So break this out in extremely cold weather. And then I have my, my British mug one of you guys um, gave me. And so apparently it's always cold in Britain, particularly this time of year. So I'm sipping from it. I feel much better. Hey, enough of that. We're into Exodus chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at verses uh, um, 13 through 27, the end of the chapter. And we're coming up on, on a genealogy. And a lot of times we, we tune out on the genealogies because they seem so redundant. It's like going over somebody's house and them showing us their Ancestry.com tree or the pictures of all their, their dead relatives. And, you know, we sort of tune out and we can do that with, with biblical genealogies too. But if we did that on this time, it would be a mistake because there's a very specific reason and that, that, that Moses is providing us this genealogy. And there is some fascinating details that we find in this that help us understand events soon to come in the book of Exodus. And so I'm going to read um, this section and then we're going to dive in, pray, and, and unpack this. But it's, it's some good stuff. Okay, verse 13. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the sons of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Moriah. The years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimi by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Usiel. The years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Mahali and Mushi, these are the clans of the Levites, according to their generations. Amron took as his wife Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zishri, the sons of Uziel, Mishiel, Elsphan, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife Elisheba, the daughter of Abinadab and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiseph. These are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses, to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their host. 
It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, also bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Lord, bring this ancient genealogy alive to us this morning. And let us see that your mercy and grace extend backwards and forwards into the life of your people. And let us get great assurance from that in your name. Amen. Um, I think it dropped like eight degrees um, from the time I started reading that passage. Anyway, let's look at the context here. Recall from the last couple of times we've been together that, that this is a great period of uncertainty for Moses personally in terms of his leadership. Um, there, the people are doubting his leadership. Pharaoh is rejecting his leadership. And, and, and here, plopped down right in the middle of, of this sort of, I can't do this, Lord, you know, cry from Moses' lips and the people saying he can't do this. We have this lineage. And, and in a lot of ways, what it seeks to establish is not only Moses' bona fides, okay, but to, to impress upon us all the more that despite the uncertainty uh, surrounding Moses and the call that God has given him, that God is with him, and that, in fact, Moses um, is God's anointed, God's chosen and the aim here is to show us that Moses is indeed descended from the priestly class of Levi. And this is interesting, okay, because by the time the Israelites were reading this, they would have known that the tribe of Levites were unique. They were set apart. They were not given an inheritance of land. They were given only the inheritance of the Lord. And it was up to the Levites to minister in the tabernacle to be the mediators, to offer the sacrifices, to perform the priestly duties. And without the Levites, okay, humanly speaking, the Israelites were dead. They were nothing. There would have been no mediation between them and God. And so while we oftentimes, and rightly so, think of Moses as a prophet, and yes, he indeed, he was a prophet, we cannot forget that he was nonetheless um, just as much a priest, right? He was the priest from the tribe of Levi um, who was sent to intercede between the people and the Lord. Now, Aaron was the first high priest, okay, that's Moses' brother. But remember, this is the author's way, Moses' way of showing that he himself was the priest par excellence, okay? He, he was the one, the unique chosen one to intercede and and lead the people not just prophetically but priestly to intercede for the people on the part of their sins to 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 bridge that gap between the holy god and sinful man now obviously this is pointing us right to the reality that we now have a permanent high priest and that is jesus and that and that just as the israelites were dependent upon each succession of priests from the tribe of Levi to intercede for them, um, they knew that no priest was permanent. They, need, they knew that no priest lasted forever. 
as one priest would die, another would have to be raised up in his place. Well, what we have with Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, is a permanent priest, an eternal priest. Um, Did you know, suspense here, that our need for a priest extends even to today, that Jesus at this moment is still interceding for us, that while he laid his life down in his blood once and for all, he is still making intercessions for us as his people uh, through the Holy Spirit to the throne of God. And so all of this is meant to, of course, point us to Jesus. But back to the text for a second. Let me, let me point out some notable features of this genealogy that are going to be really, really important for us to understand moving forward as we're reading um, Genesis. First, this um, Exodus. First of all, this is not an exhaustive genealogy, obviously. In fact, Moses only mentions the brothers Simeon and Reuben um, to show where Levi fell in the line of the brothers. He doesn't even bother to go and talk about the rest of the brothers, right? Twelve brothers. This is not an exhaustive genealogy. Again, this is not Ancestry.com. This is a selective genealogy, which is meant to show us um, how Moses, particularly in Aaron, were part of the chosen tribe to lead the people of God. Now, there's there's a couple of interesting name drops here that, that Moses util, utilizes. And one look at verse 24, he talks about the sons of Korah. Now, that's interesting because we're going to find out later uh, in the Pentateuch that it was this clan this of Korah, which was also a part of the tribe of Levi, right, who led this massive rebellion against Moses and his leadership. And so at that time, Korah um, is in a sense, or not in a sense, is, is in fact the physical cousin, okay, of Moses and Aaron. And as a powerful priestly clan of the tribe of Levi, you can see very much how they would have led many astray to say, we are the rightful heirs and descendants of the tribe of Levi. We too are Levites, just like Moses and Aaron. But we're leading this rebellion, and we know this was disastrous. 24,000 were swallowed up into the earth. And and this is this kind of Moses' way of, of noting, giving us a backstory to why that rebellion was so potent and powerful um, and had teeth. It's because of their lineage. They were the equivalents to Moses and Aaron, at least in terms of lineage from Levi. We also see the names, oh goodness, of Nadab and Abihu. Also later in the, and these are the sons of, of Aaron, the two older sons. And we know that later in the Pentateuch and Leviticus, they offer unauthorized fire and they are consumed. Okay, they are, they are destroyed because they did not worship God as God had prescribed. Now, what's also interesting is that it mentions these other two sons, okay, of Aaron, Eleazar, and Ithmar, right? And Ithmar um, had a son named Phineas. Now, now why, why, are, why are we getting, why a special note on Phineas? Well, we know from Numbers 25 that it is, it is Philly, uh, Phineas who, in fact, leads the people out of a disastrous okay, rebellion, and he ends up purging the people of their cultic idols. And and so here we see how interesting, isn't it, that from the same family, we have two sons who, Nadab and Abihu, who, 
who strayed greatly, who were disobedient, who were, um, they really brought shame to the family name and to the glory of God. But from this same family um, is raised up Eleazar and Phineas, who were instrumental in preserving the righteousness, okay, of the people and the glory and honor of God. And so it again just reminds us that salvation, um, even in families, always by grace, right? Always by grace. Um, we are all inerrantly, instinctively, Nadab and Abihu's, but but it's by God and his grace that he preserves a remnant as he does through Phineas. Now, this section, this genealogy, closes on the same note that it began. Okay, so remember from last time in chapter 6, Moses um, needs great reassurance about his leadership. Um, he, there is great doubts because the people are rejecting him as leader. Pharaoh is rejecting him as leader. Um, and, and here God puts this genealogy, gives it here as a reminder, though God is with Moses, even when there is great fear. Well, in chapter six, in the chapter six, the genealogy also ends with great uncertainty. But Moses said, Lord, behold, I am uncircumcised lip. How will Pharaoh listen to me? This again is the point to this idea that yes, Moses is the mediator for the people of God, but even Moses needs a mediator, right? And, and he never outgrows his need for a mediator, even as God's chosen. Once again, church, it reminds us we are never not in need of a mediator. Whether how powerful we are, how much money we have, how much success we have, um, we, we are in desperate need of the mercy and grace of God. But also at the same time, no matter how discouraged we are, how low we are, how doubting we are, there's nothing that our mediator, Jesus Christ, cannot cover and assure us in through his life and death and resurrection. So, so, so much here to grab hold of. Um, and we'll continue these discussions tomorrow. Exodus 7, Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh. And I can assure you I'll be inside tomorrow because this was um, a catastrophic decision to do this um, devotional outside this morning but God gave us grace right he mediated for us and we're thankful for that let's pray Lord thank you for our permanent mediator Jesus Christ Lord remind us today that we never outgrow our need for a mediator we are in constant need of your grace and mercy while at the same time there is no darkness um, that is greater than your mediation and we can bring that to you as well Lord, give us hope, grace, and confidence today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. See you manana.